Hello, and I would like to extend a warm cringe evangelical welcome to all of you today. I was online looking up one of my favorite Christian cringe activities, and that is Christians hating on Dungeons and Dragons, which is so confusing because Christians fucking love a good dungeon, the whole Spanish Inquisition. I mean, no one expects it, and no one wants it to ever happen again. Anyway, um, they also love dragons because God made dragons because they're real. I saw one at the zoo last week, so I, to this day, don't understand their hatred, but it's coming back. So the the beautiful days of trendy Stranger Things, of um, the Dungeons and Dragons movies, which is not Christian because there is a character apparently with humongous breasts. Um, Eve ruined it with the apple and now this woman ruined it with the boobs. So yeah, so we're back. We're back to Dungeons and Dragons no longer being cool. It's still a discussion, I will say. Evangelicals have come a very long way, but they're still, I mean, QAnon is raging and let's get started with this beautiful, beautiful letter to the editor from Montana. This is from the Bitter Root Star, which is a very cool name, by the way, and they have a really beautiful logo. I, uh, it's all very nice. It's out of Montana. And this is a letter to the editor. Dear Bitter Root Star. I'm writing about the North Valley Public Library's notification of role-playing games in person or online for teenagers 13 to 18 years. The Dungeons & Dragons game being offered is a dangerous occult game, which has satanic rituals and sexual and violence. I'm reading it how it's written. That was bad grammar, but we'll continue. Included in its instructions. Wrong form of its as well. You can't see it, but it's there, and I can't unsee it. Google. You, Google, sorry, they say Google is a verb. Google is Dungeons and Dragons of the Occult. There is a long article explaining who started this game, what it promotes, and the dangers of getting involved. It is a mind game no one should get involved in, let alone teenagers. I do not approve of my tax dollars promoting this through our library. Sincerely, Noel. And with that, welcome to this Dungeons and Dragons episode of Cringe Evangelical. Okay, now this story is very special to me because I was there for this story. Well, part of it. And, um, this is because uh, the first partner I had in college, well, all of my partners in college were into Dungeons and Dragons in some capacity, but my first one played it the most. And uh, I got into it in this group through through him. Um, and everyone involved was really nice. I had a good time. Uh, it helped me explain to my parents why Dungeons and Dragons A isn't a computer game you play with strangers online, which is what they thought it was, which, to be fair to them, I mean, they thought it was weird in other ways that are prejudiced and boomer, but um, th that part, for, from a safety perspective, makes sense as a parent. Every parent should look into what their kids are doing. This is not a, oh, my kid came home and said this, be permit. No. Always ask your kids what's going on, even with D&D. &D, 
or any TTRPG, which is tabletop role-playing game, because uh, especially with teenagers, kids can be kind of problematic and maybe not super sensitive. Um, I've learned a lot about TTRPGs since then. I have there's a local store in Buffalo where I live called Gathering Game that I go to sometimes, not because I particularly play a lot of TTRPGs, um, really because the owner is just super trans and queer friendly and has like really cool events um in a lot of different ways. So I'm much more familiar with it now. Uh I do have a couple TTRPG books. Um, I follow some companies just because I think it is artistic and cool. I just don't have the time for it. But I'm here to bring it back. Back to the beginning. Oh, Hilary Duff. Um, oh, I really set myself up there. Okay, so we're going to start. I'm going to change names for the... Just for the kindness of the people involved. Um, They did write up something for me i am gonna use i will use the name the dm's name is jeff and i know that jeff really doesn't care if i use his name and his wife is listening because me and his wife are like really really good friends anyway so hello to jeff hello to christina and hi to buster bug and bean they're three animal children um but let's get started the story um is coming we're gonna call her shelly oh no, we're not going to, that's, why did I pick that name? No, we're not going to call her Shelly. We're going to call her Hannah. Hannah is going to tell us the story as Hannah remembers it. So let's start. Hannah and her husband, Matthew. Hannah and Matthew for the sake of this story. So I've been playing D&D for nearly 10 years now, but back when I started playing it, I really didn't know much about it. The extent of my knowledge about it was hearing it mentioned tangentially as something really nerdy people do, and sometimes they dress up. That was it. Oh, good. My cat jumped on my head. Okay. Back around when the fifth edition of D&D came out, it's like, Henry, do not punch me in the face. You just took your paw across my cheek. Hi, we're back. My cat's done assaulting me. So hopefully we can get through this without more interruptions from everyone's favorite feline. So anyway, back to Hannah, Hannah's story. Back around when the fifth edition of D&D came out, I had been playing cello in a worship mu music team made up of some friends from Houghton. Houghton's the college we went to. I don't care about name dropping that. Houghton had no issues with D&D. There were like quite a few D&D groups actually um, that a bunch of my friends were involved with. And some kids got introduced to it for the first time there in like a safe environment for them because it was a Christian college. Um, so I don't have, like, they didn't do anything here. This is not them. Um, so yeah, whatever. One of the guys in our friend group, Jeff, this is my friend's husband who's the DM, uh, asked if we'd have any interest in trying it out. He'd played Pathfinder before, and he was interested in trying 5e. So think about this. We're all new, and the DM, Jeff, is never DM'd Dungeons & Dragons, but he had the most experience with TTRPGs. So keep that in mind for people who kind of understand how much work goes into this. Uh, we were all fairly nerdy, so we wanted to learn about D&D &D 5e. 
I finally learned that D&D is a tabletop role-playing game where you make up a character to play as and roll dice to see what happens. I was pretty much up for it off the bat. It mostly sounded like a reason to hang out with my friends, be nerdy together, and have fun. Which, yes, that is exactly what D&D is about. Nailed it on the head. Um, overall. I grew up... Oh, I'm sorry. I grew up in a, oh, I was right. I grew up in a Christian family, Lutheran background, but not one that had ever done stuff like forbid Harry Potter or Pokemon. Um, mainline Protestants really don't, they, if anything, they get dragged for being boring and like stale, but they usually aren't as invasive um, in terms of like controlling basically every aspect of your life. Actually, my dad watched the anime we're discussing Pokemon with me as a kid, and my mom played the games with my sister and I sometimes. Uh, the card games, Pokemon. All of all of us read the Harry Potter books at some point, parents included, so I don't think it even crossed my mind to ask my parents if they're okay with me doing something like pick up this new game with friends. I'd like to point out, and I get like when you're still like 19, 20, you still like go to your parents, but like, we were all adults, so why would we t like... I mean, I did it too. Like some of this is just like there's weird boundary issues with evangelicals sometimes. This is not to say don't, hey, like it's always good to get advice from your parents and run things by them if you have that kind of relationship, but just pointing that out. I don't think it even came up conversationally that I was trying out D&D. &D. Well, why? Again, yeah. Now, I can't remember if Matthew had asked his parents, Matthew being um, her husband at this time, I can't remember if they had just started dating or they were like, in a situationship or whatever. But anyway, can't remember if Matthew had asked his parents if it was okay or he just mentioned it. We would be playing at uh, the Baker's house, name changed for confidentiality. Um, and the Bakers were pastors, by the way. So just keep that in mind for how unhinged this will become later. We'd be playing at the Baker's house and we'd be out regularly for whichever day of the week it was that we chose. Um, but Matthew's parents objected to D&D. &D. We will get Matthew's story later. Matthew was at work when I was getting this. Um, somehow, to get around that, we told them that it won't be Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to make up our own role-playing game called Christians and Catacombs. And there won't even be magic or demons. And multiple gods won't be real. It'll be set in this future society where the magic is actually just really advanced tech. And people forgot what stuff like comic books were. So when they found ancient Marvel comics, they thought it was deities people used to worship. Pretty sure we had someone play as a cleric of Groot at one point. Aw, Groot. Of Groot. Anyway, um, the whole first campaign was wacky. Anyway, because we were so new to this. And like I said before, Jeff, the DM, had only done Pathfinder. He'd never done D&D. So everyone was like struggle bussing. Um, and no one knew what they were doing. Now, that is true to a point. There was one member. I will use her name because her name was Rachel. And if you say the names Rachel or Hannah on a Christian campus, like 12 girls will always be like, huh? Because like it just Christian parents in the 90s were tripping on those names. That's all I'm saying. And so um, Rachel like played a lot, like including with people like in, I guess, like a more like serious like way. And people were like nervous that she would like get annoyed with it. But she didn't. She's the sweetest person. We played clarinet together for years. um, And like she would never be like that. But that was like a concern because she was uh, not like professional, but pretty, pretty uh, consistent and experienced player. 
So we were using mechanics so wrong. It was so unbalanced. Shit happened. Like, do I see any potential danger around? Roll perception. Uh, this kid, Gene, rolled real low. Instead of something normal, like you don't notice anything or your character gets pretty distracted and you don't really get anywhere with checking the surroundings, Jeff ruled that Gene's character thought this random fence was an atomic bomb. Uh, anyway, we kept at the pretense for a while. Now, in everyone's defense, how could you learn the mechanics when you've changed everything? <sighs> Just whatever. Anyway. Anyway, we kept up the pretense for a while, in-game as well as when talking to Matthew's parents. They went to the same church we were playing music at, and I, yeah. Actually, me and this couple went to the same church the whole time I was at college because I went to a really lovely Mennonite church um, that was very, like, open, chill, um, really good experience, uh, and that's, yeah, but that's another story. Eventually, we just stopped talking to Micah's parents about D&D. &D. Uh, ooh, motorcycle. Great. So we play D&D &D with all the normal lore now and don't pretend everything has some different name and origin. That's true. They actually, this is how they stay connected as friends. It's really sweet. Um, so here's what Matthew wrote. And Matthew, Matthew's personality is going to come out of this one. I'm very excited. It's, I, I can just hear him saying this. I love it. So D&D &D 5E, it just came up come out and our friend group got a hold of the basic rules we were all set to start playing however my parents did their darndest to raise me to believe that dungeons and dragons was demonic that people summoned real demons in their games that people just played so they could act out their most horrible desires so while i knew that there was no chance any of that was real i also knew my parents would never let the church worship team the parents attended this church as well they lived in the area of the college uh, to play Dungeons and Dragons. So a clever ruse was concocted. If we didn't play Dungeons and Dragons, but a homebrewed game based mechanically on it while being holy and obviously distinct, maybe we could get by without the finger wagging and the tut-tutting and the exorcisms that would come from D&D. Our bright idea, Christians and catacombs. We'd pray before each game. We'd create our own world with religious texts based off of Marvel comic book instead of heathen deities we'd steer clear of, which, I find very funny because that's like also sacrilegious, but it just shows how silly and it's all about the words you're using. Anyway, anything with a hint of dungeon uh, and the only dragons would be Job's Leviathan. Um, it's so bad, it's funny to look back on. Like it's a minor miracle we're still going to D&D &D after that, which is true. They're all very into like just TTRPGs in general. I think some of them I moved to Warhammer. Um, my, uh, Matthew's message continued. In the end, my parents visited the youth pastor's house, this is the bakers, without telling me and had a very serious conversation about how they believed it was unbecoming of a hopeful pastor to play a TTRPG and called into question his dedication to his faith assholes and what example he was setting for the younger generation they didn't ever confront me to my memory so maybe they'd already written off what impact i might have on growing little christian soldiers um ha 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 shared traumatic experience but it's really all about the camaraderie um so that's the story and like i said i was there and i'm going to tell you like my perspective um when i learned about this i was just told that i would be going to D D, and that was already like whoa for me because it just no one in my high school did it i had never there are two things that i was never really exposed to realistically and that was like legitimate anime like an anime for anime's sake like everyone did like Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon more for the cards but i'm talking like the real shit and then not that, oh that's real anime but i mean like the 
Cowboy Bebop and Neon Genesis and My Hero, like the bigger names that are kind of easier to get access to now. Um, as well as D&D, like no one did it. It was not a thing. I grew up in a very rural uh, area, more cows than people. I do love cows, so I'm not mad about that, but I didn't grow up with it. And like I said, my parents thought it was like a computer game. Now, people that I grew up with do D&D, um, or actually I should say TTRPGs. Very few people I know actually do D&D. Um, and I know people that are kind of ticked off about the wizard. It's like the Coast of Wizards or Wizards of the Coast that bought it anyway. Um, but I had never, so I was like thinking it was called D&D. And so then uh, my partner at the time was like, um, no, <laughs> we have to call it Christians and Catacombs. It's C&C. And I was like, no way. Like, no. And I got added to a secret Facebook group called C&C. Now, I was really annoying in the first game because I didn't understand, like, I understood the role-playing aspect. I didn't understand the mechanic in terms of, like, you roll your dice, you have to kind of go where the DM says. So I was, like, interjecting myself, even though I didn't have a character. And, and that's annoying. Anyone who plays D&D right now is like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, I was annoying. I, I own it. I'm I'm humble enough to say it. Um, But, yeah, that's what happened. That's, that's my end of the story. Uh, I do have... Now, there's going to be more than one D&D conversation on this podcast because let me tell you the lore is deep i found oh i found so much good stuff um there's a mix now of people who use dnd as a way to bring kids into church now i really don't have a problem for example like i've seen some things where it's like a youth pastor just holds like a public dnd at his church but it's not it's just regular D&D. There's nothing Christian about it. It's just the space is free. There's an adult kind of guiding so kids don't, you know, kids stay sensitive to each other's hurts and, you know, don't make problematic lines, maybe, you know, steer them in good directions. Because D&D, you know, it's easy to be problematic and racist. Um, but there is also now like these like Bible study Devo versions where they'll like change things so that like Jesus is in the game um and through that i actually found and some people maybe have heard of this i know everyone knows about the infamous chick track i'm not i mean uh fundy fridays has already done a really good uh video on that and they actually unearthed the movie someone made about the chick track for dungeons and dragons i highly recommend just going to see that i'm not comfortable reading that because it's a the twist is really dark and it's actually based on a real story which i found out later from jeff actually the dm from this story because well this is embarrassing he was telling me about his DD character but i didn't pick up on it and i thought he was talking about a new friend and i was like curious how his new friend had all these powers and then he was like oh it's my dm anyway oh god anyway so that happened but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, like, I'm not gonna do that, but I do want to talk about Dragon Raid, which is a Christian D&D based on, very, very loosely, um, on every Christian's two favorite fantasy authors that, I shouldn't say Christian, every evangelical's two favorite authors who are Anglican and not at all evangelical, but they've been co-opted hardcore, and that's Tolkien and Lewis. It's really heavy based on Narnia more than anything. I think... It's not the Lord of the Rings. What's the other book he wrote? Whatever. Tolkien wrote something else. They're basing on that. Anyway, so I'm going to talk about that. I'm not sure how familiar people are with that, um, but I thought it was interesting. I, You know, if a religious group 
hear me out. If a religious group, for their own purposes, wants to make their own game, Bible-y, whatever, when you make it to try and force everyone to be Christian and to, like, replace Dungeons and Dragons, which is a lot of the times the motive is just to full-out replace it, that's when I have a problem. Having an option is fine. Having it be the only option is not. Um, and I also, I found a really funny review of the new movie. I think we're going to close out with that because that's where I got the the discussion of, and I quote, sexual cleavage. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so... It's going to be great. Uh, so, yeah, stick around to listen. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, I took the time to read through the Adventure Master Manual of Dragon Raid. I'm not going to... It's really long, and I'm not going to go through all of it because I don't need to. A lot of it's just boring crap but it it is really special we're gonna go through it together i'm very excited we're gonna talk about it we're gonna talk about the company a little bit they still make games um this is like their vintage game and then they have other games so the company is started in response to dungeons and dragons specifically um it's from a group called adventures for christ in the lamb's bride project so the lamb's bride is a reference to the bride of jesus and every christian like marrying jesus in heaven or something i've always found this entire thing weird in christianity like these phrasing and stuff and it's only gotten weirder since um this group is out of colorado springs where the family life network is which the family life network hates dnd they to this day still have reported accounts of demon possessions and occult activity at D&D. Um, same with Magic the Gathering. Big haters on Magic the Gathering as well. Um, so just keep that in mind. There's also scripture from the New International Version of the Bible in there. Very thrilling. So there's like definitely a heavy, 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 heavy Bible uh, notice. Um, so the game is for four to seven people. There's a rule book. I'm not going to go through the, all the rule book. There's a Light Raider handbook. Um, Light Raider is the academy you go to in this fake town called Eden again. So, yeah. And the Adventure Master is like the game master. Um, and they, I mean, it really does go to show... <laughs> that they don't have an issue with anything in Dungeons and Dragons. They just want to make it expressly Christian. Um, and so there's like a new player briefing. It's not included in this like free PDF I got. But what I have that's special is what makes a good adventure master. Now, if you've ever like been in a TTRPG situation, generally what makes like a good game master is just someone who makes sure the game is safe and fun for everyone involved. Um, I'm a big believer I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, that if you have a shit time, but the game was done technically correctly, then it was pointless because like, who cares? Like if everyone left kind of angry or just like not enthused. But if you have like a really good time and like not everything's like perfect or it's kind of wonky or maybe you make some concessions here or there, th that's better. Um, really that's all it is is making sure everyone is safe taken care of and is having a good time and feels that they can speak up if they aren't um so i you know i this is why i think i talked about 
earlier, if I can remember straight, that that's why kids sometimes need someone to sort of keep them in line for the safety aspect, because kids sometimes, you know, aren't the most sensitive to things or don't understand why you might not have to explain yourself for certain like things you want admitted, things like that. So um, to me, that's like kind of the base. I mean, obviously you should put work into it and stuff, but if those two things, those are like the basis for a good game. Um, It's a lot more though for Dragon Raid from Adventures in Christ Productions. So we're going to read what makes a good adventure master. And keep this in mind for everyone that's going to be just running to go play this game after I read it, because it's obviously so exciting and spiritually thrilling. Um, What makes a good adventure master? The question is difficult to answer because many elements contribute to effective game leadership. Some of the more obvious ones are discussed here. This is not all inclusive, and from time to time, additional material will be offered. A good adventure master must have spiritual maturity, social skills, and game knowledge. An adventure master with spiritual maturity prays for wisdom and guiding. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and guiding the spiritual growth of the players in directing the game. I've read this like tw- I'm never going to be able to read that without laughing. To understand the lessons in the Dragon Raid adventures, you must also have an open, teachable spirit and a real commitment to Jesus Christ. Mm. You can teach only what you yourself understand. Finally, remain open-minded with your players. You may learn something from them. Since Dragon Raid is a group game, social skills are very important. These include helping your players resolve differences between themselves or with you. I mean, this is true. Admitting mistakes or ignorance and maintaining sensitivity to the needs of your players. If someone is not participating, encourage him or her to join in. I I hate... Okay, I'm going to stop there. A lot of times evangelicals really, really, really are rotten to specifically like introverts. Um, just because someone's not talking doesn't mean they're not participating. I've had, I'm not going to get into it. I've had family members be like cornered by pastors because they aren't like smiling the entire time at like an event or something. So they're not showing like the joy of Christ or something. So that's like, I'm just going to be honest. That's how I feel about that line in the context that this is written in that context so it's not if someone just isn't feeling it that is you just said be sensitive and then said but if someone's like not really into it just get them in like encouraging doesn't have to be a call out i don't know i just there's certain like little phrases that like if you didn't grow up this way you're like oh whatever but like i know i know what you're getting at because there's always like why aren't you joining in are you really a christian are you really committed like that's always a thing Anyhow, should someone dominate the play to the detriment of others, deal firmly but gently with the situation so that all may enjoy the game. Yeah, that's that's fair. There is one very important point to remember. Allow the players to struggle with problems such as rescue or conversion. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They convert people in the story. So good. Do not intervene unless the player becomes frustrated. Struggle is necessary for the Christian in meeting life's problems. This is such a thrill. I love this so much. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Then there are game skills. These are vital, for if the game is not run properly, no benefit will result either for the adventure master or for the players. I'd also like to point out, like, they're putting a lot of heaviness in this because, like, your spiritual health is on the line here with this game, guys, and converting your friends. Crazy. 
First and most basic is a thorough understanding of the rules. This means that you must take the time to study them and you must understand them well enough to explain them to other people. Fortunately, this is not as hard as it may sound. Second, you must be able to use your imagination. This too is a critical point and is closely linked with the final item, role playing. I think it's funny they say use imagination when most Christians can't even have a personality because you have to like deny your flesh or some wild thing. It just, I have friends who literally say like, I didn't know what my personality was until I left evangelical like fundamentalism because you're so cornered into like what you're supposed to fit into. I just, I think about that a lot. Um, anyway, role-playing means adopting the personalities of all the non-player characters in the game. Anything not run by a player must by default be run by you, whether it be a dark creature, a dragon, or dragon slave, or another light raider. Again, this is not as difficult as it may seem at first. Nearly everyone role plays unconsciously. Think how you tell a story or a joke. Don't you assume the persona of the characters to an extent? Simply build up this ability and don't worry too much about it at first. As you play more, your role playing will become easier. Besides, it's fun. I like how they described what acting is there. Thanks. Thanks, dragon raider. I didn't know that. I'm so excited. So what this one is specifically is adventure at the castle of the falls. And um, here's a little tale here. We're going to learn. We're all going to grow spiritually today, guys. Uh, so get really excited. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to bring this to you. Um, following is a short solo adventure called the adventure at the castle of the falls. Reading it according to the direction should increase your familiarity with the rules. You may also wish to give it to ambitious players to help them grasp the basic rules. Introduction. Oh yeah, sorry. This is, even though I've read it, I gotta gear up so I don't giggle or screech. I've actually had to re-record this episode a bunch of times because of me corrupting my own audio with my own neurodivergence. Anyway, um, the Overlord has sent you on a mission to the Castle of the Falls in the heinous heights region of the Western Peaks. You do not know what the nature of the mission is, only that he wants you there. Judging from past experience, you assume that your goal will be made known to you at some point in the raid. So trusting in the Overlord, you have set out from Shepherd's Dell in the liberated land and traveled to the western vale of the Passage Lakes, where you stepped into the waters of Falconhead Lake. Can I just say, these names are so unimaginative and uncreative. Like, ah, God, anyway. Instantly, you were transported to the rocky outcropping of Heinous Heights. You stepped out of the hollow tree, ready to obey the Overlord's will. He was still not told. He has still not told you the goal of this raid. You walk steadily toward the castle, knowing the Overlord will instruct you when you really need to know. Climbing the footpath in the Heinous Heights region has been exhausting. The harsh noonday sun shines down mercilessly. Parching your mouth and making the sweat run down your face and body in little trickling rivulets. Your breath comes in short gasps. Seeing your destination in the distance, the castle of the falls, you let your rucksack slide to the ground and stop to rest until twilight can conceal your movements. The precariously sighted castle is not well guarded, but you do not wish to take unnecessary risks. The defenders will undoubtedly be more experienced than you. As you wait for darkness, your mind retraces the experiences of the past years at the Light Raider Academy in Dayspring Highlands. What a privilege it was to attend, but how difficult too, learning personal strengths and abilities, struggling to master a few powerful word runes, testing your survival, survival skills, and fitting yourself with spiritual armor. Fortunately, you already knew how to use the bow and arrow as well as the two-edged dagger before entering the Academy. 
you ponder over character strengths. Um, you study these strengths. Love, the ability to be selfless and do things that risk your own well-being. Joy, the ability to be content in all situations. That's so coded. Sure, that's the definition of joy, to be content in all situations. Because the Almighty is at work in them. Oh yeah, the Almighty is what they call God in this game, capital A. Peace, the ability to be calm because you know the Almighty is with you. Patience, the ability to be steadfast under difficult circumstances. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness is the ability to be too loyal to the overlord and be dependable. So the overlord and the Almighty are both like trinity whatever yeah gentleness self-control note that these nine character strengths are the fruit of the spirit found in galatians 5 22 through 23 the definitions used in dragon raid approximate the biblical meanings of the terms in the dragon raid adventure learning system you discover how well you did at light raider academy by rolling the star lot the 10-sided crystal i'm sorry crystal is that a crystal does it come with tarot cards too dragon raid sorry just Christians don't like crystals, even though they're objectively just real, whatever. Anyway, that comes with your game. You will need to roll it nine times, once for each of the nine character strengths, beginning with love and going in order to self-control. Write these nine numbers on your character sheet and keep it for this and future adventures. Note that the zero on the start lot means 10, not zero. After you have rolled number values from the character strengths, add them to all together and divide them by two. And then it just goes into what you're going to do. So you know you're going to be put to the test in the castles of the falls this very night. You fall into a restless sleep. As you doze under the aspen tree, shaded from the late afternoon sun, you have a dream. But this is not an ordinary dream. Even in your sleep, you recognize it as your assignment from the overlord. You see the food unbinding word rune. Mysteriously chiseled in the stones of a deserted castle corridor from the end of the hall you hear a burst of coarse laughter followed by a vicious profane order for more desserts the voice seems to be that of a female uh, uh, sorry it just i'm realizing how many issues i have with like body image and food because of christianity i shouldn't say christianity because of evangelical christianity i was this week just because everyone i've like interviewed has brought in a story like there's an essence of that within it um and i realized that like when i was at church there's like this little saying do you eat to live or do you live to eat about how eating shouldn't be enjoyed because it should just be used to like sustain you to like worship god more and um how like being away from that like i've actually gained weight and become healthy so i just really hate that it's like immediately you hear that someone's like viciously acting for desserts and it's a female boy like the shrill woman is looking to get fat like it just ugh, 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 i hate it i hate it maybe i'm being too sensitive but it's just it's all these like little these little micro seemingly innocuous things actually have like these deeper meanings and you have to really catch it anyway as you hear someone coming towards you you duck into an alcove in the stone wall a young woman passes by dressed shabbily in a ragged shift the usual attire of a low caste dragon slave she is obviously weary and is weeping. In your dream, you venture out of your hiding place and steal toward the room from which you heard the glutton's curse. Yeah. Okay. No, I was right. I was right. Glu okay. So let's talk about gluttony and how it's... The word has been misused by evangelicals for a while. So gluttony is used as this very shallow way to fat shame people and to body shame people and to be fat phobic. 
There's nothing wrong with being fat. Some people are going to be fat no matter what. I have friends who are vegetarian, work out everything, and they are quote unquote chubby, whatever. They're probably healthier than me. I eat like garbage. I'm skinny. Well, I'm not skinny as a rail anymore, but I'm pretty thin. And like I ate Taco Bell like three times last week. Like it, it, it totally like my genetics in part, it's totally, well, I am pretty hyper. I run around like a wild person most of the time, but I, gluttony is specifically about taking more than you need while others go without. And you know what? Christian evangelicals, maybe the lay folks, not as much, but people in power in a lot of these evangelical circles don't want to handle that gluttony is not just about not eating and stuff like that. That part of it is, oh, if your church is ginormous and able to have, you know, a coffee shop and have Walt Disney productions, you know, design your children's room and all these like wild things, maybe you're the gluttons while your neighbors can't even uh, find housing because rent is so expensive. Or maybe when you hoard wealth or housing or you buy up entire plots of land to build your church while some people can't even find an apartment. Gluttony is not just being fat because you eat a lot. You should eat to be healthy. What you shouldn't do is, like, for example, buying all the toilet paper at Target during COVID. Gluttony. If you see something you like and just buying, you know, things like that. It's about using more than you need. It's not about starving yourself. So let's just get that out of the way. It's been something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, anyway. Through a crack in the door, you see a fat, dark-haired woman, her eyes filled with greed, devouring a host of delicacies. I am, wow, I, this is unbelievable. Okay. She is alone in a room lit by candles and hung with tapestries that proclaim this to be the domain of a high-caste dragon slave. You wonder what she has done to be so well-rewarded by the dragons. You think of the discernment word rune, but are disappointed because you did not memorize it at the academy. However, you also recall the possibility word rune, which you did learn as you whisper it softly. A mirror-like glass and a delicate frame appears in the air before you. Of course, at the academy, a looking glass never actually materialized since the miraculous power of the word rune is reserved for times of the overlord's choosing, usually only when there is definite need. Gently taking hold of the glass, you peer into it, just as you are trained to do. You see a different image of the plump woman. Oh, oh my God. Oh, okay. Of course it's a woman, too. Okay. In the glass, she appears rather pretty, pretty slim, not living to eat, but eating to live. Oh, my God. I just said that. Oh, I actually forgot that was in there, but like, no, I've heard that, like, this is in, I wonder if this is a group that the church I grew up in used for other stuff. She's not living to eat, but eating to live. She has a torn page of the sacred scrolls in her hand. She will respond to the call, which must be like a call of Christ in this game. Instantly, the glass disappears. She is again her greedy self. So, okay, here's another thing. I mentioned earlier, like, the denying yourself of flesh and all that kind of stuff in Christianity. Evangelical. Sorry, I need to stop saying Christianity. It's very diverse. Obviously, I'm not against people being religious. I still hold faith tradition um, in some respects with a lot of caveats and so forth. Anyway, <laughs> the live to eat and not eat to live, like, how should I put this? 
a lot of times if someone legitimately overeats it is a trauma response i have a i am a licensed master social worker i have a lot of evidence to back this up eating how should i put this if you like go out with your friends and you're really having a good time and you're enjoying eating and you want to be a foodie or something like that it's not idolatry to have a good time and enjoy food and different unique food there is an issue when say maybe like for example i'm going to take like an environmentalist angle uh reducing meat in my diet is something i feel beholden to do i'm not a full vegetarian i don't want to go down that road again um but because i feel that it would be gluttonous to increase my carbon footprint okay i personally morally have a value where i think that that is something that's important and to not be wasteful with food and eat food or waste food or any like whatever the idea of like living to eat and not eating to live and making food quote unquote an idol is very problematic um if you really think about history um i'm reading guns germs and steel by jared diamond right now and if you really think about history so much of it is centered around people just basically getting food like getting food and is centered around basically how you can get food how you can get your basic needs met um those people were like living around the idea of food too like i don't also explain it like it wasn't idolatry to want to survive it's not idolatry to eat when you're hungry it's not idolatry to even have a good time and like enjoy food i just want to make that very clear because it keeps coming up and i think it's something that i'm dealing with anyway i think it's interesting it's in a a TTRPG. Like, what? what is the point of this? Decadence isn't just overeating. And that's so shallow and narrow-minded. And I don't... I'm not gonna call... Yeah. I'm done here. But anyway, that's my little rant. I think I've been pretty good lately. Anyway. Suddenly, you are awakened by the song of a thrush. Although you did not see the ending of your dream, you know now that the overlord wants you to free the woman from her bondage. The unfinished dream was his way of teaching you to walk by faith, not knowing the details of your path ahead. Tonight you will learn the final outcome. Dusk is approaching and you settle down again to review a few word runes. Now the word runes, just for you guys know, are actual scripture versions, scripture verses, like from the Bible um so you have to memorize verses for this you have to memorize at least three and all of your everyone involved does too so part of this is literally memorizing verses they have a list here i'm not going to get into all of them but the word runes are all bible verses so that's what they are um so it's nighttime. you have your nine character strengths and basically what you have to do is create your character based on their courage, endurance, hope, knowledge, listening, quiet movement, vision, and wisdom. I'm not going to get into every single mechanic, but I'm just going to read some of like the characteristics they have listed here. Um, blend with surroundings, climb skillfully, converse with animals, hatred of evil, uh, merciful compassion, persuade foe, righteously mingle with evil. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Sense evil, talk with locals, track enemy water movement. So these are um, based on equations of your skills. I'm getting confused. Okay, so let me, I'll, okay. 
For example, the vision ability is an average of patience, faithfulness, and hope. Patience provides concentration. Faithfulness measures your trustworthiness to be shown something, and hope adds the expectation that you will see something. This is also interesting because, like, let's say they wanted to use this as, like, a missionary tool. It's a really good way to make people role play uh, essentially being brainwashed into your idea of evangelicalism. That's why I have so many issues. Um, like the whole idea of denying the flesh and just not listening to your body. That's why so many folks, I know my first interview really involved like eating disorders, chronic illness, things like that. Like it takes you out of your body and traumatizes you. And that's never an okay thing. Um, it's just not. All right. You're off. You follow the path through the rapidly darkening woods and scramble down a steep gravel strewn crag. As you enter the river valley, you feel the evening mists on your face and you hear the rustling movements of the night animals. The stars are beginning to come out overhead. It would have been a real challenge to get even this far in the daylight, but you wisely choose to travel by night and thus avoid detection by the dragon's patrols. So you hear something. Um, so you always. So here's the thing. You're only successful if the sovereign overlord lets you be. And then on a human level, you do have some skills. Um, so, yeah, that's like kind of the overview. I'm not going to go through the entire, entire game, but I wanted to give an overview of Dragon Raid. I might read more later. I mean, this is just like the overall idea, you know, because um, now it's just getting into nitty gritty stuff. That's kind of boring. You will fight battles. You'll fight dragons. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to get more into like the character stuff. I'm trying to get to that, that point. Ooh, here we go. So we're going to talk about what the adventure master guides you in. They're a storyteller and an actor and they give needed facts, create environments and moods. All these combine to give them the surrounding world to the players. Um, they teach you how to be more interesting when you talk. Uh... I'm more interested, so they have you as the rule master. I mean, this is common game master stuff. I don't need to read this. Um, the thing that I think is the funniest is scriptural knowledge is part of being responsible. So a basic part of the learning system is the extensive use of the Bible. The adventure master, or the AM, which every time I read that, I just think it's the morning, um, is responsible for making sure that the word runes are said correctly, and in some cases for determining the results. It is important for the AM, so if you don't have your Bible verses memorized, you like get wrecked, I guess. It's important for the AM to have a good working knowledge of the Bible in game situations arise wherein you feel that a certain scripture would be appropriate. Feel free to incorporate it into the game. Um, if you use another version of the Bible, you can change references. Well, yeah. So here's the allegory of Dragon Raid. By now, you probably realize that the overlord of many names is really another name for Jesus. You may have recognized other figures too. Why not use Jesus instead of overlord? This brings us to the definition of allegory. Uh, they really made this with homeschoolers in mind who don't know stuff. All right. Sorry, that was mean to homeschool. Some homeschoolers learn, but the homeschoolers who use um, specifically sunlight, S-O-N, sunlight and um, was it Tribeca, some of these, they don't know stuff especially the women because they're in this is a big case that's becoming legal where homeschoolers are coming out and being like hey like when i was like in eighth grade as a woman my mom stopped teaching me and just made me like do stuff around the house because i'm just gonna be a wife anyway or like um there's entire 
legal teams for homeschool parents pro bono in some of the southern states for kids who just go and evangelize all day instead of school. People have seen like a lot of this came up when the Duggars and stuff were on TV, the Duggars, the Plaths, the Bates, and they saw these kids were learning like completely inaccurate stuff. Um, So I'm not surprised some of this is in there because some of the audience it's aimed at are kids that were homeschooled more to just become like Christian soldiers rather than to learn. And that's not to say that everyone who homeschools, that's why I'm clarifying, does this. I'm just putting out there, um, this is a trend and this is something, in, especially in certain regions. Now, in New York State, you can only get away with so much because you have to submit a lot to New York State in order to be approved for homeschooling and stuff. Um, but in some states, it's really the Wild West because their own public education system's really a mess. Not that New York State is perfect, but it's more structured. So. We're going to read the definition of allegory, but it just kills me. Like, it's one of the first things I learned as a kid, but whatever. So that it brings the definition of allegory, the expression of spiritual truths by the use of fictional figures or simply a symbolic narrative. Oh, so they also kind of shifted the definition to make it more Christian-y. All right. All right. I see also why they're doing it, to shift definitions that kids might have learned if they, mm, Okay. In other words, an allegory is a familiar story told in a new and fresh way. I mean, the spiritual truth part can be true, but to start off with that, that's what I'm saying, like, whatever. Anyway, but again, you may ask, is it right to use allegory? Is it really necessary? Yes, it is, because sometimes people have heard things about Jesus Christ or about Christianity, to which they have developed very definite responses. I mean, anyone places is gonna know it's Christian. Bible verses are part of it. Like, just because you're not using the name Jesus Christ doesn't mean people are gonna be like, oh, you got me. It's not a Christian game. I just had to memorize a million Bible verses to play it. Like, okay. Um, these responses are both positive and negative. These learned responses may block any further input, but using an allegory to retell these spiritual truths, the game provides a comfortable and non-threatening learning experience. Um... So they say to maintain the allegory, um, the wonderful world of Eden again and all its marvelous creatures may give way to church words like salvation, which repel or bore some people. Creativity and imagination are stifled. And as the game falters, God-given opportunities for teaching are lost. I don't, mm, that's like encouraging doublespeak. Although I guess you could argue like, how is this different than like anything C.S. Lewis does? It's, I don't know. I might be reacting strongly anyway. During later discussion times, oh, you discuss after, I understand. It is always perfect in order to return to real life terminology. The players may wish to discuss specific problems in their spiritual walk as they apply new insights and gain during adventure stimulation. Ugh, discipleship at the Dragon Raid game. So... How to make a battle exciting. Um, how to keep suspense high. Some of this is like <laughs> how to organize a group. Like, uh, okay. Interessante, I guess. How to move dark creatures. Record keeping. You know, this is all boring. Difficulty level charts. I don't need that. I mean, these are just kind of basic. Or not you know, these are mechanics for the game. You can talk to animals in this game, which is pretty cool. I like talk. That's ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to talk to animals so I could chat, chat with my cats, ask them what they thought about things. 
All right. You can recover from uh, resist torturous investigation. Oh, my gosh. You can have an ability to endure physical pain when being interrogated. <laughs> oh. Mm -mm -mm. Water movement. Can you dark creature used of advanced cam? So I want to read what the dark creatures are. Cave spider, fluster beast, gall buzzard, giant, goblin, golden calf. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah, Greedo. <laughs> Sorry, Grim, mound orc, selfo, skeleton. Do you think the skeletons use worms as their money and bones as their dollars? That's for all the I think you should leave fans. Anyway, cave troll, forest troll, water troll, words, wood spray. I'm actually, so, well, I forgot. This is also kind of based on, I, I think I mentioned earlier, Lewis and Tolkien. So that's probably why they're using. On the world of Eden again, the overlord has forbidden light raiders to kill dragon slaves. He loves them and hopes that they will soon give their allegiance to him. Oh, so dragon slaves are like non-Christians. Severe penalties that imposed if light raider kills a dragon slave. And it could happen in the heat of battle. Mm -mm -mm. I'm just, it's really long to get to like the parts that I wanted to show everyone. Um, Cause I don't care about the mechanics and obviously that's most of what a game is for an adventure master. Battle prayer. Yes, I wanted to get here. So battle prayer, which if you've been listening to my Hogwarts school of prayers and miracles read through praying, battling to pray or praying in battle very important in extreme emergencies the overlord of many names permits a special form of communication between himself and members of the light raider party this is known as battle prayer battle prayer is effective only at the time of the overlord's choosing but this should not prevent players from trying it text god see if he'll text back now it's just like you know if you want to leave the game you know i want to read they have people problems you know when someone you know these are just like how to handle if someone's dominating um oh i want to read when the player does not want to participate once in a while you may have a player who does not seem to get into the spirit of adventure learning he may be quiet and shy but may still be enjoying the game never force someone to act in a way he's not made to act this will only result in embarrassment and frustration for you nevertheless you can encourage him by saying that his involvement is needed by the raid party or you could privately check in and make sure everything's okay I don't know. Like, some of this is, like, they're teaching people how to, like, interact as humans. When players argue, when players are disruptive. Part of a Christian leader's responsibility involves disciplining those who need it. Whoa! Whoa! Dude! Yes! 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 Discipline! Yes! Woo! Wow, there you go. However, these suggestions are to be used only when a player is deliberately being disruptive, not when he is merely role-playing or acting out a sin enchantment to create division and diversion. Usually public humiliation in front of a group of friends is sufficient. <laughs> oh! Sorry, so they're telling you to public humiliate uh, to help keep such a player in line. Dismissal should be considered only after all other options have been tried. You might ask other players for their suggestions. So publicly humiliate them and talk about them behind their back. Awesome. That'll work. Good job. I mean, this is evangelical. So yeah, that's pretty much how they run things. Um, how to prevent the overuse of easy spiritual solutions. These are the spiritual problems section. 
Sometimes players try to surmount the difficulties of Dragon Raid by praying to the Overlord or rebuking dark creatures in his name. Sorry, I hadn't read the summary with the with the part about public humiliation. That really got me. That was good. That was real good. Anyway, they seem to subscribe to the mistaken belief that if you pray about anything, God is required to obey you as though he were the servant and you the master. But many times God says no to our prayers. There are, of course, many reasons for this, most of them probably unknown to us. It may be because we are asking for easy deliverance from hard things that we have been sent into our lives so we might grow in the likeness of Jesus Christ. The same is true of rebuking evil. Often it is God's will for us to wage an active battle against it rather than simply to escape it. God wants us to be strong Christians, so he does not always grant our requests for miraculous deliverances, nor does he always grant us power to rebuke evil in his name. This is why it's generally not a good idea to use prayer or rebukes to solve problems that the adventure of guidebook clearly indicates are to be handled by the player's own resources. Oh, and then it says not to treat people as acts of magic. They have to endure difficulties because Overlord is not a magician. He is God. Nice. Nice. So if you're, if, if it's just something that's too much for them to get through, you can permit prayer or rebukes, but in such a way that directs the player back to the adventure. You must see that they go through the adventure learning simulation so that they can learn more about God. Whoa, this is so... Uh, so manipulative. When easy spiritual solutions are being suggested, avoid giving the players a lecture. It's like needlessly hurting people. A friendly explanation of the preceding material will probably suffice. Do remember that it is the Holy Spirit who convicts, though he may use you as a tool toward this end. Let him work in their lives while you give them a gentle explanation. Try to avoid making the players defensive. If a player cheats, hand out penalties. Um, yeah, I mean, cheating's always wrong, so. When the master becomes confused, sometimes you may lose your spiritual way in the game. Oh, you know what? I don't think I have the strength to, uh... When players try to leave the written narrative. This seems like the most unfun game, because it's constantly like, stay in line! I have to teach you about God now! Like, okay. Um, you can, this is how to develop team spirit. Jesus Christ formed a group of disciples whom he instructed to work as a team, for he knew that there was great strength in a group. Thank you. I needed that reminder today, Dragon Raid Adventure in Christ game. And then you can self-evaluate. How did the game go? Did they enjoy themselves? Did I enjoy myself? Did I teach them about God today? Oh, my. enhancing spiritual impact. The great runes word great rescue word runes are used for rescuing the once born from the dragons and helping them become members of the twice born so born again christian they are found in the section entitled eternal battle and great rescue word runes and the light raider handbook dragon slave arguments i am too great a sinner i have been following the dragons too long and i have done many terrible things you will read them and then they list verses I will have to stop doing wicked things and become a better person before I can become a member of the twice born. There's some verses from Matthew and Luke. My life has been such a failure. I'm afraid I couldn't remain a loyal, loyal member of the twice born very long. This is such a weird game, dude. I'm not strong enough. I feel so weak. I could never do what you light readers do. Oh my goodness. It literally is like 
role-playing evangelizing people. This is wild. I'm already going to the everlasting kingdom because I've lived a good life. And then you will read 1 Samuel 16, 7. Okay. This is so wild. Okay. Um, Increasing excitement and fun. Marching orders for players. Better character identification. More surprise and suspense. More mystery and sin enchantment, ba- enchantment battle. Oh my goodness. I love this. This is just... <gasps> so, okay, if you grew up mega Christian, you know about like the the um, armor of God? You get to wear like the belt of truth, the best breastplate of righteousness and all that stuff in this game. Oh yeah, baby. Make it godly, make it militaristic. Oh my goodness. This is such a thrilling game. I don't, at first I thought maybe it'd be funny to play, but now that I've like read through it, it seems very not funny to play. It seems like it will just be very annoying and very unfun. Um, Great rescue word rune specifically is like evangelizing dragon slaves. I'm not going to read them. They're just Bible verse after Bible verse. It's really a scripture memorization game. Um, That's my issue. So that's Dragon Raid. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I said I was going to read to finish out on a little silly note, um, this moral rating of the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie. It's new, so I wanted to do it while it's hot. Its moral rating is extremely offensive. Let's read why. So Holga, by the way, gets dragged in this, if you've seen the movie. So, um... This is why it's offensive, because it is about magic and magicians, enchantments, and they ask in all caps, what does the Bible say about sorcery? This person does say that Chris Prime brought everything out, but let's read. So, sorry, I shifted kind of quickly. We're done with Dragon Raid. I don't have the mental health to keep going with Dragon Raid. I didn't want to read the mechanics. That's just boring. But I did want to read the content of concern. So we started with a nice letter to the editor. We're going to end with content of concern in this movie the content of concern is this the primary antagonist is the red wizard sophina she is essentially a witch who uses blood magic dark powers insidious spells and especially necromancy this is concerning material that is central to the red wizard's character and entire demeanor they resurrect the dead with a spell and a relic (sighs) dark imagery is present throughout this film and this is what it says. And then they have links to what it says about witches in the Bible, witchcraft attachments. There is also swearing. And it adds nothing to the plot. And it actually comes off really forced. There's also stealing, lying, drinking, and gambling. Every notion of a higher power in this film comes back to spells, magic, and power. We are Christians and we're warned to stay away. Then they give us a good old verse from Leviticus and Revelation. A cult. So it breaks down occult levels, extreme, violence, very heavy. And then they list every violent thing that happens. Um, Wokeism, heavy. Vulgar crude language, moderately heavy. They list every single swear. Um, It's giving the end of the Magnus Archives. um, Somebody sent like every swear in um, in the entire series. That's what it's giving. It's literally what it's giving. Profane language, moderate. So, okay, sorry to explain. Vulgar crude language are specifically the S words, prick, 
bollocks, son of a bitch, bastards, and bloody. So, and then profane language specifically is, oh God, damn, and hell. Drugs and alcohol, moderate. Sex, moderate. There is one marital kiss. A man attempts to take advantage of a woman sexually. Innuendo, suggestive remarks, nudity, cleavage, repeated. (laughs) Sorry. And bathing, not graphic. So um, the person who rated this uh, is 31. So a 31-year-old actually wrote wokeism heavy in a review. Wow. So that's why Christians don't like it. I also found um, another Christian review, and it has sexual elements, and it says Holga wears cleavage-bearing outfits at times. Edgen shares a kiss with his wife. These people are acting like this husband kissing his wife made this theater like come shot city. I mean, I don't. Okay. Like, (laughs) and I also went to the store today and I saw someone kiss their wife. Like, it happens. I don't know. But um, this is just one of many episodes I will do on Dungeons and Dragons and Christianity. So thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week with our History of Halloween special. Thanks again.